My intention with this part was to start off by just kind of nonchalantly saying that my favorite content creator of the year is the guy on TikTok who's really into trains. And then I said it out loud to myself and was like, no, okay, I have to rephrase what I mean by trains. This guy is really into just watching trains on railroads in the UK. Um, if you've never seen him before, go look him up. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you share that exuberance with me for his content, I would assume. Um, hopefully one day I can be my own favorite content creator. I'm not, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why I feel so shitty and, um, unconfident at times, but maybe this series will help me in that area. So part one on Monday covered songs 100 to 81, part two on Tuesday covered songs 80 to 61, and then yesterday on Wednesday, part three went through songs 60 to 41. We have now officially passed the halfway mark, and th these are the songs coming up on this episode that... If anybody had these in their top 20 or maybe like 15 or 10 even, I could understand it. I wouldn't argue it. I get it. These are all amazing, incredible songs that deserve the recognition, not only from myself, but anyone else with some form of a list that they want to share uh, with regards to the scene this year. Um, so yeah, songs 40 to 21 up right now. Thanks. Hope you enjoy this chapter and whatever else I usually say. Thanks. Number 40 is Treading Water by Holofront. This felt like a genuine game changer in the discography of Holofront, which is a band that I've always liked, but like as in like at a base level per se i've never really like championed them that hard but i've also never put them down they kind of just exist on like that middle ground that safe middle ground and i didn't mind that for holofront i didn't mind viewing them in that way obviously i wanted them to do like greater things but if they stayed where they were i would have been okay with that um but then they came out with treading water back in august um august 20th might have been the exact date uh if i'm not mistaken and I remember sitting in a Starbucks listening to the song for the first time when I was doing the singles review reviews for that day. And so one of the rules I have with singles reviews is get through all the songs in order. Do not go back to a song and just keep repeating it over and over again without finishing everything I have to review first. Um, yeah, I didn't follow that rule for, for uh, Treading Water. I played the fuck out of this track at Starbucks. I listened to this song on repeat for legit maybe like two hours. I loved it that much. I was captivated so heavily by the structure of it, the way that it is this emotional, melodic metalcore song that is gripping from the moment you start playing it to the moment that you finish. Um, the roller coaster that it takes you on is astounding, in my opinion. Um, the heaviness all the way throughout, like the first, um, I think it's two and a half minutes, or like that is what the, um, that heavy metalcore range runs through. And then the final minute of the song, it, kind of takes a more not kind of it takes a very like more melodic turn and it brings in clean singing and the way that the cleans overlay just the beautiful somber instrumentals in the background it, this made for one of the best metalcore listening experiences i had all year and i just cannot get enough of what hollow front brought with treading water if this is like a sign of what is to come out of hollow water in the future hollow water hollow front in the future uh unstoppable genuinely number 39 is burn it down by against the current I think I would classify Burn It Down as one of the two more 
and this is like me speaking in a grand general scope, not for me personally. Burn It Down is one of the two forgettable tracks from uh, Fever, which is the Against the Current EP from back in July. So um, you had singles like That Won't Save Us, Weapon, uh, Jump, and there was also there was one more, wasn't there? Fuck, what was it? Again and again. Shit, I blanked on that one. Um, and then Lullaby was the closer, and I think the Bring Me the Horizon credit, or writing credit on that track really helped elevate it. Um, Shatter and Burn It Down, I didn't really see too much discourse about online, uh, which is a shame because I think Shatter is like a really cool song that is very different from everything else on Fever. Um, Burn It Down is like this just anthemic pop rock track that I can't understand how anybody who's like into that sector of the scene could check this out and think that it's not for them. Burn Down just keeps the energy going all the way throughout it, even in the moments where it's like not as energetic as the chorus. It just feels so alive all throughout the runtime. Um, again, I know I said this previously when I was talking about, um, what was the other one? I, why am I fucking blanking on shit, man? I have like really, really bad memory right now. Um, lullaby. I just fucking said it too. Shit, man. Okay. Never mind. I'm sorry for yelling. Um, when I was talking about lullaby, I praised the ever-loving fuck out of Chrissy Costanza's vocals, and I said that she might be the best vocalist in the scene right now. I am reiterating that point for Burn It Down. I think Chrissy just puts on another clinic with this track. She sounds amazing all throughout it. Uh, um, the lyricism and the chorus, again, like lyricism when it comes to Against the Current, they fucking nail that shit, dog. The chorus. Burn it down because we outgrew this house, unafraid but we lost our light. Burn it down, don't feel the fallout, what does it take just to break away? If you want, you can find your way out, I don't gotta die in the bed you made. Burn it down right here, right now, what does it take just to break away? Honest to God, genuine bars. Th th this band is just on another level, and Burn It Down was one of the many instances in 2021 of Against the Current, in my view, establishing themselves once again as one of the most premier elite bands in all of scene music right now. Number 38 is Oh Mommy by Chase Atlantic featuring Maggie Lineman. Not only are we about to talk about Chase Atlantic, but we're going to talk about a very specific style of Chase Atlantic. We're going to talk about cocky Chase, arrogant Chase, fuckboy Chase, talk your shit Chase. The, the kind of Chase Atlantic that I initially fell in love with. And, you know, I, I mentioned very early on in this uh, series about Slide and how that kind of ex exists like in the middle of like emo Chase Atlantic and arrogant Chase Atlantic. This one leans so fucking heavily into that, like, just in-your-face, no-fucks-given-Chase-Atlantic. Um, everything about this song, man, it, it fucking delivers. It wasn't even on Beauty and Death. Let me put that out there now. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on the eventual deluxe edition of Beauty and Death because this track, as well as Escort, the artwork for them said Beauty and Death Deluxe or something like that. Um... So the original Omami dropped back in June and I was very surprised and caught off guard that there was new material from the band so soon after Beauty and Death's drop, but I didn't care. I took the song anyways and just from the moment you press play, everything about Chase and what I've been talking about with like those certain characteristics of them that can easily rub people the wrong way, they're present here, like just fucking ever present. Look at the chorus. Oh, mommy, this new Rari hit 150 on the dash. I bent the corner. Now bend it for me sideways. I might have to fuck her on the highway. And so this is all like, you know, stemming from the original Oh, mommy, which is again, back in June. Later on, I think at the beginning of September, there was a new version that has a verse from Maggie Lineman, the same Maggie Lineman that I've been gassing up at every fucking chance on this series so far and this entire platform all year. And it it kind of worked out perfectly, I think, because I, I don't know whose idea this was, if it was like Maggie's or Chase's or somebody from a label, but Maggie had posted a TikTok of her uh, like recording uh, her verse for Oh Mommy, 
And I think the caption on it was like, if I had a verse on Oh Mommy by Chase Atlantic, insinuating that this wasn't actually in the works. The entire time it was. And it was like a viral marketing strategy. And I think it worked to perfection. And when the video and the song actually dropped, it felt like, it, it kind of felt like an event for that section of like Stan music Twitter, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. And just the, the visuals of Chase and Maggie, like actually in and around Arari, it elevated the song to another level. It was a song that was already great, in my opinion. And then, actually, it was even perfect. Let me say that now. I think Omami was perfect initially. And then Maggie came in, and I don't know if it's possible to make something more perfect, but that's what it felt like happened with her inclusion. And just... God, I'm like losing my fucking breath right now. I'm kind of going off and going on a tangent. But, you know, when you put two superpower-like entities such as Maggie Lineman and Chase Atlantic on a track, this is the kind of reaction that you're going to get out of me. Number 37 is I Don't Like People and They Don't Like Me by Boston Manor. It feels like I'm just about ready at this point in my fandom for Boston Manor to properly declare them one of my favorite bands of all time. I've like kind of lingered on that point and kind of skirted around the topic for a minute now, but every single time Boston Manor has done something since Welcome to the Neighborhood back in 2018, it, it's not only delivered, but it has impacted me. It's left a mark on me. And... There were so many songs off of Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, which was a kind of a surprise drop EP uh, not that long ago, and I I look at the tracklist for that, and I think it, it, at, the, at that point, it's like fucking writing all the names down and then throwing a dart at them and seeing what sticks. Like, genuinely, I... If somebody has like Carbon Mono or Algorithm on their personal list, I'm not going to question it, not going to say anything about it. But for me personally, I listen to a song like I don't like people and they don't like me. And it's as if like um, the technique that Boston Manor used to write this song came from whatever fucking notes my therapist is scribbling whenever we she and I talk. And just the, the ability that this band has to just kind of infiltrate my headspace and pull these little things, tangible elements out of my brain and put it onto paper and then translate it into a recorded song is fucking outstanding. So I'm going to read off the first verse and then maybe a little bit more after that. I haven't left my bedroom for 16 days and I don't see why I would do when everything's so gray. And then we can go into the chorus after that. I'm a surface level freak. No one's listening to me and I think I'm alone and the walls are closing in can't remember where I've been. Man, I think I'm alone. This is a fucking introvert dream of a song. And I... God, man. It, it, it's so hard to put into words now that I really, really think about it. Like, just the ability that Boston Matter has to write these songs that hook me almost immediately. It's something that I truly don't want to take for granted. I understand the importance of this band to my life i recognize that the last couple years of my life probably wouldn't be the same in some manner without boston manor <laughs> i didn't realize i was gonna say that manor without boston shut the fuck up whatever um that was very aggressive of me wasn't it i'm like going off now head in a weird space um i don't like people and they don't like me that generally speaks to what it is I think of my existence in society. And Boston Manor gave me the anthem for that, more or less. Number 36 is Face Me by The Plot and You. So I had 
already said with this podcast series that I'm going to be as open of a book as I feel comfortable being with all of you listening right now. There are songs on this list that I have gone into great detail about, about like how they relate to me personally. Face Me is the kind of song that I could go into detail on, but I think the more I talk about why Face Me is such a personal song to me, the more deranged I feel like I'm going to sound. So what I'm going to leave it at is Face Me gives this like this observational look at somebody who is self-aware that in relationships, he is the toxic one. He is the one with these damaging mental headspaces, and it's like he's trying to make it right, but it just, it's almost not working, and in a weird way, I think this song sonically even gives off that vibe, because uh, the way that Face Me is structured instrumentally, it almost feels like it can't really make up its mind about what it is, because in the verses, it feels like such a, almost like a pop song, and then you go into the explosive chorus, and it feels like so, like, radio-ready, just made to be played in giant arenas, and then it goes into a breakdown that it's not, like, as heavy as some of the prior material from The Plot in You, but it, it just kind of hits harder because of everything else that's surrounding it with this track. I'm going to read off uh, the first verse right now. I sit in my head, straight from the truth, pick at the scabs, don't look at the past, got something to lose, but I feel the tension from every direction, it's my reflection, I correct them, don't even mention, you can't fix my soul, my crutch, my home, feed it, but it's best just left alone, my dear, my foe, my holy ghost, never gave a damn till its face was shown. Landon Tours is a next level, absolutely fucking god tier lyricist, and you know, Face Me is just one of the many instances from Swan Song of him just understanding himself so well. And it's a part of him that I, I honestly, as somebody who kind of like um, goes into writing some things, I kind of feel jealous about because there are so many things about my own brain that I would like to pull out of it and put onto paper in some manner. But I feel like no matter what I do, I can look at a song like Face Me and realize when it comes to expressing my emotions, I'm not shit, dude. I don't I don't know the first fucking clue about this thing, but Landon does, and Face Me proves that. Face Me is one of the best songs of the year. It is one of the best songs I think the plot and you have ever fucking written, and it is everything to me right now. It's been everything to me since I first heard it almost like five months ago at this point. Face Me is the epitome of of everything that, at this point, I come to the plot in you for. Number 35 is Sober Exit by Static Dress. Let's talk about motherfucking Static Dress. Let's talk about one of the most exciting young upstart bands in the scene, and they have been for a while now, I would say. Um, so Static Dress dropped last Friday the first kind of full-length project of theirs. It's called Prologue, and it's an EP that has some songs kind of as like interludes, and then some songs are full-length tracks, or as about as full-length as a Static Dress song can get. Um, and there was a comic book that uh, collaborated alongside it, and I'll talk about Prologue another time. Um, right now, the focus is Sober Exits, which was the lead single for Prologue. And I, first of all, I was hella sick the first time I heard this track. Just in bed, fucking uh, allergies, cold, flu, whatever that shit is. And this was literally the only thing that I gave time for in that moment that I was like really really feeling down in bed and I will go ahead and say this now out of every one of those bands that is contributing to the like scene and post-hardcore revival uh so you know I'm talking about like Sea Space Cowboy, If I Die First, Wrist Meat Razor of all those bands 
I think Static Dress is doing that sound the best right now. Uh, Sober Exit, it's catchy, it's heavy, it encompasses everything that I loved so much about that scene back in the mid to late 2000s, and to have a band come around in this day and age and give me that sound and like not only strike every little nostalgic chord that I like to be struck, but to put a modern spin on it and give the genre and its sound a, a, a brush a brush a fresh breath of air going into the remainder of this decade hopefully that is something that i really don't want to take for granted i adore static dress and everything that they're doing sober exits it paved the way for prologue to become one of the coolest and most innovative experiences with a record all year and I think this song is going to be something that just really, really holds up well moving forward. And I look forward to everything that Static Dress do from here on out. Number 34 is Anchor by Of Mice and Men. I do have some things to say about the rollout of Mice and Men ended up going with for Echo, but there will come a time later on for me to discuss all that. Um, Anchor was the non-single from Timeless, which was the original Mice and Men EP back in February. So Obsolete and Timeless were the singles, and then Anchor was the third song that came out with the entirety of the three-track EP. Anchor is one of those like heartfelt emotional of mice and men songs that i just absolutely adore and i've never been able to get enough of um all the way back to um the closer on the flood actually i could even go back to second sebring and say that like a mice and men have always had that kind of <clears throat> sorry emotional grip on me and the ability that they have to write these songs that just capture every bit of somber and I guess depressing emotion within me is something that I will forever champion of Mice and Men over. And the first time that I heard Anchor, I genuinely was moved to tears. Um, there was just something about the delivery of the verses that like really slow, um, in some instances, like kind of electronic. Um, <clears throat> holy shit, I need something for my throat. Um, that like kind of almost like electronic instrumentation going on and then that goes into the chorus that like just soars into the fucking sky and really takes off and the uh, i i can't say enough good things about aaron Polly and what he does as a vocalist side note aaron Polly might be the nicest uh musician i've ever met i met him back on the uh that full circle tour that my Simon did back in 2015 and aaron is just this genuine down-to-earth guy and it's great to see those kind of people succeeding and achieving all the things that they want to and anchor is one of those tracks that makes me so happy and proud to rep of mice and men number 33 is overrated by landmarks If I'm not mistaken, this actually got dropped as a single the same day that Anchor came out. So, uh, you know, there is your February 26th representation. I'm pretty sure February 26th was the day. If it's not, then I sound like a complete fucking idiot, more so than I already have in the past. Um, so overrated, I think it was the final single ahead of Lost in the Waves dropping as a record for Landmarks back in March. And overrated, it wastes no fucking time getting into the rhythm of things. From the moment you press start, you're just like met with this intense fucking instrumentation that goes into screams and all throughout the verses, it is just so chaotic and fast paced. And then the chorus, even if it's like clean singing, it's not necessarily a break or a pause for the listener. It is just as anthemic and energetic and passionate as the remainder of the track. So catchy and just easy to get lost in, especially with the second chorus when there is a, like a second bit of it and the instrumentation is kind of changed up. Just really, really cool. The, I guess if you want to call it like the bridge, uh, I wouldn't say breakdown, but the bridge per se, there's even a blast beat. 
every aspect of like metalcore that I have ever been drawn to in my life was put into this little pit and that is what overrated became. I think this is the crowning achievement of landmarks this year. Honestly, the crowning achievement of landmarks just in general, this is the best that the band has ever sounded in my opinion. I think Overrated is one of the coolest metalcore songs of the decade so far. I went back to it so many times, I'm still going to go back to it every fucking chance I get from here on out because that was the impact that landmarks had on me with Overrated. Number 32 is Little Mistakes by Rivals. I guess more continuation on what I was saying about like overrated coming out the same day as Anchor. The record that Little Mistakes is on, Sad Looks Pretty On Me, dropped the same day as Lost in the Ways, which is the record that had overrated. So, you know, I guess more connected threads. Um, I think Rivals did a lot of really, really neat and interesting things on Sad Looks Pretty On Me. Um, but then when I got to Little Mistakes, it felt like everything I had heard up to that point, it was meant for me to just immerse myself into little mistakes and to be so taken aback by the pacing of the verses and then how that is kind of translated so perfectly into the chorus that doesn't necessarily pick up the tempo it's not it's a little bit like i guess heavier or more like um just giant sounding than the verses but it maintains that just really like somber and almost sad uh, pacing all throughout it. I think Kaylee Wolf just takes command of the microphone in this instance and her range and versatility as a performer is just one of those, um, like areas of the scene that I don't think enough people are talking about. They're not giving enough credit to her. Kaylee is a goddamn fucking star. And with rivals surrounding her, she and the rest of the band complement each other so well. And that is ever fucking evident on a song like Little Mistakes. I adore it so much. And the kind of, I guess, hook in the track, All I Want Is My Sins Forgiven, was something that I just kept with me near my heart for the entirety of 2021 i never let little mistakes exit my mind it was constantly on repeat throughout the entire year i kept going back to little mistakes over and over again it is the song that to me defined this year for rivals and i cannot stress enough the importance i believe little mistakes has to the scene this year number 31 is headache by heart of gold I feel like a complete fucking moron for a plethora of reasons, but particularly as it pertains to Heart of Gold, I have known about... So firstly, I kept, I've kept calling them a band on this show. They're not a band. Heart of Gold is one person. I never knew in the two years that I've known about Heart of Gold, never once knew that he is the... or one of the clean vocalists in Being as an Ocean. And knowing that now... Like, I hear Heart of Gold, and then I hear Being as an Ocean, and it's like, no fucking shit, it's the same person. I, I don't know why I never made that connection in my mind, why that was never something that I just assumed from the the um, the um very unique vocal range that he has, and how his voice is so, like, recognizable, or at least it should be recognizable, that was an area where I fucked up in. Um, But uh, Heart of Gold, he dropped Headache back at the end of August, I believe it was, and... I talked on there about, on that episode where I reviewed Headache, about how this artist is so unlike anything else that you can find on Sharp Tone Records, because Sharp Tone, I think most people, when they hear the name, they think of the heavier acts on there, but Heart of Gold is so pop-based and not like anything else on the label, and that makes him so unique in that aspect. Um, he is so fucking talented, and just the way that he's able to carry Headache, and the I I infectious nature of the chorus, and the, like, kind of throwback 70s and 80s, like, synthwave instrumentation going on behind him, it makes for one of the most fulfilling and rewarding listening experiences I had with a single all year long. I think Headache is another example of Heart of Gold just understanding himself and understanding what his audience at this point is coming to him for, and I just want something 
more from Heart of Gold. I'm always going to take new material from him. I, I hope there's something of an extended format coming in 2022 because I need as much material from Heart of Gold as I can possibly ascertain. Number 30 is Circle With Me by Spirit Box. I am not going to say definitively on this particular episode, or this particular series for that matter, if I think Spirit Box is the best band of the year, but what I will say is that they are the band of the year. They are the most talked about band of the year, the most respected band of the year, the most maybe popular band of the year, the band that from where they were at at the beginning of 2021 up to now, that growth is so fucking exponential and it's almost unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's so rare to see the entire scene rally behind a band and just champion them to the extent that we have because it always feels like with any band out there, there is someone who finds something divisive about them. And sure, there probably are like doubters and naysayers out there towards Spirit Box, but they're in a very, 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 very unvocalized minority and I've never actually seen them. Uh, so Circle With Me was one of the singles Spirit Box dropped uh, in support of Eternal Blue. And Circle With Me, it shows off just so much of what I think makes Spirit Box one of the most incredible bands in the world right now. And one of the most incredible bands of the last decade, maybe. Actually, not maybe, for sure. Um, so the, the thing about Circle With Me is that it's heavy when it needs to be, and then it kind of takes a like a, a step back and really just lets Courtney shine when uh, it, that's called for. So in the verses, she is kind of just like laying over these clean vocals over very, very almost like quiet instrumentation. Like she is clearly meant to be the star of that particular section. Um, the pre-chorus things kind of pick up again. And then in the chorus, it just feels so gigantic and everything that I could ask for out of a spirit box chorus. Um, there is a breakdown later on, and Courtney is once again able to kind of show off that screaming prowess that was established on every other instance prior from Spirit Box. Um, and I just think Circle With Me is one of the most complete songs of the year. It is a song that, if you want a grasp of what Spirit Box is, this is a good indicator for you as to what you are missing out on. Number 30 is Memory Fiction by Era. I couldn't place the blame Lessons that I find I've already expressed in this series my affinity for those kind of songs on metalcore records that stray away from metalcore and kind of try new things and experiment a little bit. And that is what happened with Memory Fiction. It is the closing track on ERA's self-titled record. And just from the moment you start uh, playing the song, you can immediately sense that this is different. This is something that is not found anywhere else on the record. And just from like the opening uh, lyrics, we were reaching out towards the next phase of ourselves, autonomous from what connected us. I couldn't face the shame. This won't be the last time that I find I couldn't place the blame lessons that I find in love that we left behind. For me personally, hearing that it was like poetry, dude. It was something that I needed to hear at that moment and something that I kept going back to over and over again during some of the darker moments that I experienced all throughout the summer and then even up to this point now because things are not totally better. Um, just the, the ability that Era showed with this track to put out a song that is unlike anything else on their record and in my opinion somehow have it end up being the best song on self-titled. I genuinely just think that era showed me with this song more prowess than anything from their metalcore stuff could have uh, memory fiction it is slow it is soft it is somber it is uplifting it is hopeful it is just this powerful track that really for me personally is one of the standouts of the entire scene of the year and that even later on in the track when things kind of pick up a little bit in tone that heartfelt nature is still so evident. And the line repeating near the end, love that we left behind, 
I made sure that never left my brain. I made sure that that was a, a, a specific moment of the year that I held so near and dear to me. And everything about memory fiction just speaks to the absolutely tumultuous year that I had. But at the same time, the slight bit of optimism that is somewhere deep still within me. And it's a track like memory fiction that is able to get me to find that little bit of optimism and hold on to it. Number 28 is Supervillain by Between You and Me. Supervillain was the lead single for Armageddon, which was Between You and Me's record from back in November. A record that I had all the praise in the world for back when I talked about it on this show. Uh, Supervillain, I didn't really get to go extensively on um, back when it dropped because it came out in June when I wasn't really doing this show regularly at all. And then I kind of, I might have held back on some things when talking about it uh, like last month because since it was number one in Scenic Overlook in June for the week that it dropped, I knew I was going to have the time and space on this series to really go in depth on Supervillain and, and what it means to me. Um, so Between You and Me is a band that I've always liked. And in the instance of one of their songs called Overthinking, I believe that they were perfect. Um, their last record I liked, but maybe didn't necessarily love. It's not a record that I've thought about much since it dropped and I haven't really gone back to it often. Um, so Supervillain came out and I was like, okay, let me check this out. Uh, in my opinion or in my mind, it's going to be a good song, good pop punk song. And that kind of might be the extent of it. And I listened to Supervillain and just from the like organ type of intro at the start that goes into this drum rhythm with bass supporting it, I was like, okay, what is this? Cause there's something here. Something is happening. And the way that Supervillain is able to kind of pace itself and build itself up for this giant chorus that I just fell so in love with immediately, from that moment on, for the rest of the song, I was like, okay, between you and me, they've got me hooked again. Whatever they're going to do from here on out for the year, Supervillain tells me that they're on top of their shit, they're at the top of their game, they understand the assignment, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and I think Supervillain paved the way for one of the coolest band arcs of the year, if you want to use the term arc to, to describe trajectory. Um, it's one of those songs that it's so catchy and just like it lives rent free in my head. And I'm okay with that. I'm cool with Supervillain being one of those songs that I can't remove from my everyday train of thought because it's a track that I... I have not grown tired of it in the six months that I've been able to listen to it. I don't foresee myself ever growing tired of it. Supervillain is one of the best songs of the year. And again, it was the start of one of the best band's years for me personally. Number 27 is Different by Maggie Lindemann. Different was one of those songs that it got singles treatment off of Paranoia, which is Maggie's EP from the start of the year, but I feel like there is something deeper to Different that is not necessarily surface level material, and I don't know how many people um, actually know what Different means and what it was written about. Um, it is a topic in her fan base, so I know that they know about it, like Stan Twitter knows what different is about, but the average listener who comes across this song, I don't know if they're going to understand what is being mentioned here. So different was written about a time in 2019 when Maggie was, uh, arrested in Malaysia and spent five days in jail over there. And, um, she, someone on Twitter, I think last week had asked her like, um, do you feel any kind of, I don't know if this was a term that they use, so I apologize if I'm incorrect. I think they asked like, do you feel any kind of like PTSD when talking, when, uh, singing different live, uh, in concerts? And Maggie said, 
it's definitely her least favorite song to perform live because of what it was written about and the thoughts that surface to her mind when she's singing it. And that does put a different spin when I hear different. And I think to me, it makes me want to commend Maggie for being so open and honest with an experience like what she went through. Um, at the same time, just like kind of making this song universal in the sense that you can read the chorus or listen to the chorus and it doesn't necessarily have to be about her experiences with jail you can uh sing to yourself the the lines thinking don't be scared don't you cry everything will be all right but if it's still not enough can somebody just take me where the headlights go i'm so fucking lost here just want to be not here take me where the stars don't show it can get a lot here shining all alone and i think for me for me, like, it wasn't just the lyricism that made different so effective, but also the instrumentation behind it and how there's almost like no instrumentation in the verses. She's kind of just given her own pathway to express her feelings. And then even when the chorus comes in, it is one of the more like uh, minimal sections on the entire EP. And she is still given that time and space and the platform to let loose and say everything she needs to. And then she delivers one of the biggest hooks of the year for me personally, a, a line that I have thought about so many times in my head. I just want to be someone different than me sometimes. And just hearing that initially, I think that is where the connection came from for me. I just want to be someone different than me sometimes. I cannot express what that line means to me, the impact that it had on me, how many times this year, because it came out in January, so I've had all year at this point to just let this song settle in and become part of my everyday life and become part of my personality. I just want to be someone different than me sometimes. Number 26 is Babylon by Normandy. At the end of the uh, most recent weekly uh, episode, I started a what is I I intend to be a yearly tradition of playing in full my favorite reimagining track at the end of that episode, and the track I chose was Babylon by Normandy. So this is not the reimagined song. This is the actual song. It dropped the first week of January, I believe, and it was one of the singles for Dark and Beautiful Secrets, which ended up coming out at the end of, actually, you know, the middle of February for Normandy, and Babylon is one of those songs that it didn't really change my view or perception of Normandy. By that point, I was already sold on them. I already knew that this is one of the most rewarding and fulfilling alternative rock bands to, like, really sink your teeth into and get into, um, but Babylon just carried this weight with it that I maybe thought was kind of like had not really been touched yet by uh, Normandy. They had a ton of songs beforehand that I pointed to and said like these are pillars for the band. Uh, Jericho, which is the lead single for Dark and Beautiful Secrets last year, being one of them. But Babylon, I just listened to it and literally could not stop. There's something so infectious about not only uh, Philip's vocal abilities but also the instrumentation that's going on around it because it has like that um that drum beat that like tribal-esque i guess for lack of a better way of explaining that and it's one of the elements of the track that like really gives it its foundation and i would say that not only the vocals but the rest of the instrumentation is built on that drum beat and the way that the chorus comes in it's like this like piano lead-in and it feels so massive and just like this really, really cool moment that allowed me as a fan of Normandy to understand like I'm making the right decision by not only loving this band, but by also com coming onto this show and just praising them and gassing them up the way that I have been all year. Um, the, the chorus of Babylon itself is one of the catchiest of the year. I love everything about this track. I do think it's one of the standouts of Dark and Beautiful Secret. I think it's one of the standouts of the entire year from any band. And I... Even even almost a year later, I still feel as strongly right now in this moment for Babylon that I did when I listened to it back at the start of January. Number 25 is Bitter by Chunk, No Captain Chunk. Now I need to restart again. Things won't 
let me talk at large for just a moment about Chunk No Captain Chunk because I think they're one of those bands that they were gone for so long that if you came into the scene after 2016 and you just see people mention Chunk No Captain Chunk, you don't really you don't really know who they are. You don't really have that understanding or that um, perception of who Chunk were. So um, the best way that I can describe Chunk No Captain Chunk is that they were France's answer to the like mixture of pop punk and metalcore that was happening in the 2000s or 2010s i mean maybe maybe 2000s too um and they provided for me this really interesting take on the two subgenres that left a mark on me and that made chunk no captain chunk one of the definitive bands for me in a time period where i was like just getting out of high school and going into college and i like, I carried my love for them around with me everywhere. Like, I wore it on my fucking sleeve. I know it's, like, cliche to say, but that was how I felt about Chunk. They were one of my favorite bands ever. And their last record was in 2015, Get Lost, Find Yourself. And then their last song uh, came out in 2016, Blame It On This Song, which ended up being on um, Gone Are The Good Days, which is their comeback album from this year. Um, so that comeback album, the cycle for it began with Bitter, dropping back in may may 14th was the exact day for it and i remember that for dark reasons which i'll elaborate on with another song maybe probably for sure i will um so uh i had just gotten my second dose of the covid vaccine uh the day before this track dropped and i was out the paint man i was gone just in bed felt like complete shit i knew it was gonna happen but like it still sucked and one of the only things that day that like actually gave me energy for whatever reason was bitter and i remember hearing bitter and the experience that i had with it the the emotions that were resonating from me i didn't feel that with many other songs this year and just from the opening line of the song it's been a long time it like put this smile on my face this like weird big cheesy ass smile and understand like in that moment like goddamn it happened chunk no fucking captain chunk are back and not only are they back, they are just as good as they've ever been. They didn't lose a single step in that hiatus. Bitter delivered everything that I love about Chunk No Captain Chunk. It is so just chaotic, energetic, infectious, catchy. Everything that I came to know and love about Chunk No Captain Chunk in the 2010s was present on Bitter, and I could not have imagined their comeback song being any better. Number 24 is Call Me Back by Chase Atlantic. Ring, ring, hearing doubt turns, yeah. So I've mentioned in this series that there are two sides of Chase Atlantic that the band explores very regularly. One of those sides being like really somber and emo and the other one being just kind of arrogant and over the top. Call Me Back is that emo anthem that you get from Chase Atlantic very often, but even at the times where you come to expect a track like Call Me Back, for me personally, I'm still just floored by the range that this band possesses. And Call Me Back is like almost like an um like an anxious anthem, an anxious type of song um because they're expressing emotions in it that you wouldn't think that they do because this is a band that you know regularly talks about like partying and fucking and just like the, the kind of like um name drops that they'll make in their songs so um i remember oh mommy you know it mentions like ferraris uh louis v supreme murakami they've had stuff in the past i think on the track her which is off of um phases from 2019 it mentions balenciaga uh there's another song, I can't remember the name of it right now, but like Off-White is like name dropped, um, R.P. Virgil. Um, so this is a band that like, you know, they flaunt it. They don't hide that like arrogant side of them, but at the same time, they're able to write a song like Call Me Back that just is so like somber. And it's a song that somebody like me who gets anxiety over this particular subject whenever it happens in my personal life, I I understand Call Me Back. I feel what is happening with this track to a fucking T, man. It strikes me at my heart, at my fucking core. It shakes me there. So I'm going to read off the course right now. 
If you get a minute, call me back. I'm so lonely and you're the only one that knows me. And if you're busy, then I understand it. It's bad timing and I'm probably going to end up crying. I, I hear that and I'm like, I, I, I get it. I feel it. I understand it. This is real to me. I know it. And at the same time, the backing, the instrumentation backing of this song, it's so just like smooth and it works so well with what's going on lyrically with Call Me Back and the delivery on the parts of Christian and Midi. It feels like this is a band that just like this shit comes second nature to them. Like Chase Atlanta could probably write, produce a song with their fucking eyes closed and it's going to turn out to be a banger the way that Call Me Back is. Call Me Back is one of the standouts of not only Beauty and Death, but also the entire discography of Chase Atlantic. And for me, that means something, considering that I've already, up to this point, viewed them as one of my favorite bands in history. Number 23 is Godspeed by Young Culture. This was the title track to Young Culture's EP from Over the Summer. I am having trouble remembering if it was the lead single. I don't know exactly. It was a single, I know that. But lead, I'd have to actually check that. So, Young Culture had a record out last year that I didn't really have any expectations for going into it. But coming out of it, I was like, this is a band that has so much potential. I don't think it was fulfilled on that record. And maybe it wasn't even fulfilled on the Godspeed EP. But on the track Godspeed itself, I think that was the glimpse that I got of Young Culture fulfilling that potential to the greatest extent possible at this stage of their careers. Godspeed is just a very, like, beautiful pop-punk song that I could have easily envisioned myself hearing on the radio in the 2000s. And even though I'm kind of aging the sound of it in that aspect, it still fits in perfectly with today's scene music. Um, but lyrically, it tells a story just that, like, it, it, it means the world to me, what Godspeed is trying to tell me. And it's one of those songs that it kind of feels like it's... I, I, I mentioned this beforehand. I can't remember what song I said it on, but, like, optimism. There's optimism somewhere in this fucking brooding and rotting emo core that i have established the emo walls that i have surrounded myself by and closed off from the rest of the world that little bit of optimism godspeed is like picking at it and it feels like every time i hear godspeed it's getting closer and closer to reaching that part of me that i don't know what happens if it's actually brought to the surface so the chorus of godspeed Days turn into night, but I want all of your time. Wrongs turned into right whenever you're by my side. I think that you should let your mother know you're doing fine. It doesn't matter where we go as long as you are mine. So, um, I, I think Godspeed is elevated to another level. If you can actually envision a particular person in your mind when you are hearing the song. And I, by, by even saying that, I've said too much. But that is kind of... The reason, well not kind of, it is the reason why Godspeed is so impactful and effective for me on a personal level. Um, there's a line later on, or not line, but a, a section, it's the bridge. No matter where you go, the places that you'll see, no matter who you find, the people that you'll meet, I'm always on your side, I wish you Godspeed, you can know that you'll always have me. That is a moment of the song where I'm just like so moved and kind of almost brought to tears every, every time I hear Godspeed. It just makes me think of whoever it is in my mind that I think of when I hear this song. And it, it's telling me all the things I wish I could say to this person. And especially near the end of the song, the closing lines... Days turn into night, and we're losing track of time. Crazy, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Maybe we'll settle in, start a family down the line. It doesn't matter where you go as long as you are mine. And it ends the song with that particular line. It doesn't matter where we go as long as you are mine. Maybe a little bit crazy, sure. Um, but just the way that the song delivers these lines and these moments, it's something that stuck with me 
from the moment I first heard it back in July, I've never let this song go. I don't want to let Godspeed go. Godspeed by Young Culture is one of the most beautiful things I listen to all year long. And it's the kind of song that I just feel like, you know, every bit of my life that has led me up to this point in my fandom, like, whether you call it divine happenings or whatever, I was brought to Godspeed by Young Culture for a reason. And I really want to believe that. Okay, so now we're at a point in this chapter where there are two remaining songs, and both of these songs are by the same band. So I'm going to kind of talk about them together in a way, because they do go hand in hand for why they're here. Number 22 is Drugs and Love by Holding Absence. Drugs and Love was the track that I named number one in Scenic Overlook the week the weekend that uh, The Greatest Man's Sake of My Life by Holding Absence dropped. And at the time, my connection to Drugs and Love was, was only because I believed it was this great, effective, beautiful, and tormenting song that I really, really loved. That was my initial connection to it. That was it. Um, I will never understand why this happened and why th this was the case. Because I didn't listen to Drugs and Love at the time of what I'm about to talk about. So why it was a song that came to me, I don't really know. And again, I'll never know why. So um, Mikasa's passing was not like something that... Um, it, it happened in front of me, okay? I was there when it happened. I literally watched my cat take her last breath. And after that happened, I just... I just was on my knees in front of her body crying. Just, I've never cried that hard in my life. I've never, ever cried that loudly, that profusely... It was just this release of everything that I was feeling in that moment. And I will never know why this was the case, but Drugs and Love was the song that was going through my head. Like, in that moment where I was crying after I just watched my cat die. Again, I don't know why. I hadn't listened to Drugs and Love in the lead up to that moment for the last couple days before that. It just, it was a song that played in my mind. Particularly the chorus. Make me numb with drugs and love. What'll save me from my solitude? I have nothing left to turn to. Help me find a way to medicate. And that last line, help me find a way to medicate, it kind of like foreshadowed what was going to happen afterwards because Mikasa's passing, that led me to going to a clinic and being diagnosed with anxiety. That led me to seeking out therapy for the first time in my life. And it just feels like with drugs and love, there was something going on in me, something in my brain that was telling me like this is what it's going to feel like now this is what your life is going to entail and embody and it sucks it really 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 fucking sucks but it happened it's your reality so here take this song and do with it what you need to and drugs and love it's at 22 for a specific reason, because there is one song I wanted above it, and then also I didn't want to let it get into the top 20 for the painful reasons that I've detailed. And again, I do apologize if this was like really just like, like weird or random or like, y you know, I, I do apologize, but I had to get these feelings out and I couldn't express why I love drugs and love so much without mentioning the reason why it is so embedded into my brain. And with the effect that Drugs and Love had on me, there was one Holding Absence song that was able to kind of pick me up from Drugs and Love and just kind of give me some positive outlook on what had just happened to me. And so w with that being said, number 21 is Afterlife by Holding Absence.
I think there was something similar that happened with Afterlife that uh, happened with Drugs and Love, like I just said, where I listened to the song when it dropped. Afterlife was one of the first songs of the year I heard. It was out back in the second week of January, maybe. I don't remember exactly, but it was around that time period that Afterlife came out. And from the moment I heard it, I loved it. I thought it was this incredible song, very beautiful, heartfelt track from Holding Absence. And then after everything that happened with Mikasa happened, I remember listening to Afterlife in my mom's apartment and just kind of thinking like, it, it, is this going to be okay? Because with Drugs and Love, I just was in that mindset of like, I'm in pain, this sucks, I don't know what to do. And then Afterlife, it gave me this perspective of like, um, okay, actually, the band Holding Absence themselves explained it better than I could. So uh, I'm taking this quote from the Genius page for the lyrics to Afterlife, and this was shared on the band's Twitter. Afterlife is a song about a love that lasts longer than mortal life. It's about knowing somebody is watching over your every move with their blessing and grace. So... I'm not here to talk about religion. I'm not going to tell anybody what to believe or not believe in with religion because I have been all over the spectrum with regards to that. Um, you know, at one point in my life, I was an atheist. I wouldn't consider myself one anymore. I, I, I do believe in a deity. Let me say that. I don't really know about organized religion or a specific name of a religion as it pertains to that. But I, I do think it's healthy for me to believe that there is something out there. And one of the reasons why it's healthy to believe that is to connect myself to the idea that there is an afterlife and there is a place where Mikasa is at and that she is somebody who can watch over me now because she's the first entity in my life that I've ever been so close to that I lost. It was literally my first experience dealing with death and I I don't know if I figured out like the quote unquote answer to grief. I, I still feel the way that I do from back in May when it happened it still affects me every single day. I'm literally looking at a picture of her right now on my desk as I say this. And there's a drawing of her on my wall that one of my friends did that I can see. And it's like hovering over me and watching me. And um, Afterlife, in, in the moment that I heard it the first time after her passing, it kind of helped me understand like maybe there is something out there. Maybe she's okay right now and safe. And she really is like still watching over me, watching over my two new cats um, there's so many things about Afterlife lyrically that just really, really speak to me. Uh, I don't think I've said the chorus yet. I know I'm out of sight, but am I out of mind? And when I close my eyes, I'll see you. I dream I'll see you in the afterlife. Um, the second chorus in particular has a second section that I think is one of the standout moments of the, of the entire song and actually of the, of the record. Honestly, I lost a vital part of me and now there's nothing left. I dream I'll see you in the afterlife. Just holding on to that idea. I dream I'll see you in the afterlife. Something like that is has really, really done a lot to help keep me going. And I just feel like there's so much that, you know, I didn't get to say to her. There's so much that's going to happen moving forward now in my life that she's not going to get to be here to experience. And I, you know, I, I wish things were different. I really, really do. Uh, but this is what happened. And... A song like Afterlife has done so much to help keep me calm and keep me sane and just keep me hopeful and optimistic that there is something out there for she and I to believe in and grasp. And with that connection, maybe someday when my time is good, is done, I'll see her again. And that's it. That was songs 40 to 21. And... The explanations did get longer. I see that I'm like over the hour mark. Holy shit. Um, and guess what, y'all? Top 20. The final part. That's next. We made it. I made it. And the next time I get on this microphone and record an episode, it is going to be for literally the top 20 songs of the year. And with that is going to come the first ever winner of the Levi and Armin Award. I'm literally about to name a song of the year. I know what it is in my head. I've known what it is. And now I'm actually going to have to come on here and explain it. And again, there is anxiety that comes with that. There is a sense of like, 
will, will, will anybody even understand what it is I'm trying to say about this song? Or even a couple of the songs in the top 20. Um, I just... This is a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to put out there. But I've made it this far. And now I'm ready to finish this series and officially tell everybody what my number one definitive favorite song of 2021 was. So, all that being said, I'm going to let y'all go back to doing whatever y'all was before my weird ass came on here. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. And, as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.